everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It feels good to be home. I have missed you, almost all of you. <laughs> I want to say welcome to everybody watching online, to our friends all over the world. Hey, 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 we love you. We missed you. We wish you could be here, uh, but you are loved. You are prayed for. You are appreciated. So, Highridge family, come on, let's give a big welcome to all of our online friends. Good morning to all of you. We wish you could be here. I want to also say a very special thank you to the amazing team that held it down while I was gone. I want to say uh, to, to Pastor Doug, uh, to Pastor Paul, to Pastor Mark, to Pastor Chris, our amazing worship team, to the, to the staff. Uh, I like to name names sometimes. I just, I don't, I don't do it enough, but I, I want you to know you have an amazing staff that makes my family feel incredibly loved, uh, incredibly appreciated, that the health of my family, not only does it matter to me, but it matters to the leadership of this church, to our elders, and, um, and it, it's a wonderful thing to feel appreciated and loved. And that's not why we do it. Um, I do it because I'm called. Uh, but uh, to know that there are a group of people that care about us, it, it does matter. And I hope you know that, you're, that your pastor loves you very much. I have missed you. And it feels good to, to be home. feels good to be with you. And I'm glad to be here. also want to say a very, very special welcome to our friends from First Blessing over here with Kelsey and Cassandra. You guys are awesome. Would you guys give them a big round of applause? And because of you and because of your generosity, we were able to give out hundreds of pairs of shoes to uh, many of our, um, our South Longview kids that are going back to school that don't have name brand shoes. I'm talking nice shoes. Um, uh, they didn't have to pay a single dime for those. We took care of that um, because you are a generous church and we love to bless our city. Come on, that's you. That's you. Come on. Your faithful ties and support, your generosity is making a difference, not only around the world, but right here in the middle of this city, God's doing great things, and that's uh, through the faithful faithful giving of a faithful church, and uh, it's an honor to be a part of that. It's an honor to team up with people like you. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing right here in Longview, and they're part of our um, High Ridge Graham family. We love them very, very much. Uh, is it Graham or Mineral Wells? Graham. Graham. Mm. <laughs> love Graham. For Pastor Ryan, if you're watching, we like Graham better. Where are you at? No, I'm just kidding. First John chapter three. He's gonna kill me. I love my little brother. First John chapter three. Um, this is Vision Sunday. Somebody say Vision Sunday. I wanna help uh, just lay out some things that the Lord has put up on my heart specifically for our church and for what God is doing right here in East Texas. There are some things about Longview in East Texas that are, that are different than other churches and other climates than, than other regions. There are things that we deal with here specifically that God has called our church to be, uh, to be the answer to that, uh, that may, may not necessarily just not exist in other places, but may not be as prevalent in other places. There are things that, that we have to battle here um, that other churches and other places around the world may not have to battle as strongly or maybe stronger, but um, I want to just pull back the curtain for a few, a few moments and, and, uh, and kind of take you back a few years ago. Um, I never believed in my wildest dreams that God would lead me to Longview, Texas. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. This was not in your career path. This was not where you, where you thought you would live. Uh, but I am grateful for the city. I love the city. Um, I love my family being a part of the city. I love what we're doing here. Uh, but this is not where I thought I would be. But through a powerful uh, series of confirmations and, and the Lord speaking so strongly, I, I knew that this was where I was supposed to be. I knew it. I could not avoid it. And uh, God led me here, led my family here, and uh, we are so pleased to be here. 
But in the, in the process of knowing that God wanted us to be here, we began to see things that are specific to this area that we knew that God was going to use us to deal with these specific problems, uh, uh, mindsets and spirits. The Bible calls these principalities and powers of the air, things that are, that are so prevalent in these texts that you know they're wrong, but you're not quite sure how to fix them. And at some point, it just kind of becomes part of the culture. It's just kind of, uh, it is what it is, Right? It, 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 it be what it be. It, it do what it do. And uh, it's, we just kind of like, yeah, that's, that's East Texas for us, kind of the way it is here. And for some of us, like, we like it that way. For others of us, like, hey, we don't like it that way, but it is what it is. <clears throat> and over the next few weeks, I want to kind of deal with each of those in a new series called Unsubscribe. There's some things that God has put up on my heart that we want to expose, the principalities, the powers of the air, the things that, that we've kind of accepted into, into our culture, especially in East Texas, that we don't have to. The things that God has called us to unsubscribe from so that we can bring the change, not that we think is important, but what God's word says should be. And so some of the powers and the principalities that we have to deal with in East Texas is, is number one, there's a strong spirit of racism and the racial divide here. And you may not see that in your part of the world, but it's there. It exists. Um, that's going to end in our lifetime. We're going to end this together. This will be a church that helps to usher in with a series of other churches. It's not just us, but it's a new anointing of what God is doing to end racism here once and for all. There are other cities that have addressed this. And it's time for racism to end here. And we're going to be a part of that. There are some other things that God has, uh, that God has shown us about this area that exists here. There's a... Um, there's a strong poverty mindset. There's a religious spirit that exists here that is sickening. If you have no idea what that is, over the next few weeks, we'll take a look at what a religious spirit is. And it's not just so we can point our finger at the city and say, yeah, there's a religious spirit here. You guys got to fix that. Uh, no, it starts with us. Racism is not something you can point a finger at somebody else. And say, there's the racist. No, it starts, it starts here. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with us listening to the voice of the Lord and saying, Lord, how... How, how can I change? What does this mean to me? And allowing the Lord to address these things in us instead of pointing a finger at somebody else. And that religious spirit will trade an authentic relationship with God for a list of works and rules and traditions made up by men. In the process, we lose a powerful, passionate, loving relationship with a powerful God because we've given it over to a set of rules. It becomes a religious spirit, a mindset, instead of a relationship. That's going to end in our lifetime. We're going to see that end as a church that's so madly and passionately in love with Jesus that the rest of the churches in this city will say, you're so good, I can't ignore you. But there's something different there. And we'll make them either lead, follow, or get out of the way. Because we're coming. Amen? And that poverty mindset, that's a strong hold that has kept a grip on this area for far too long. Now, I'm not here to preach prosperity gospel. I think that's a bunch of bull. And if you're here looking for a give to get message where God wants to bless you and his ultimate plan for your life is to make you rich, go somewhere else. Because you're not going to find that here. As a matter of fact, God uses a lot of poor people to do amazing things. But there is a difference in prosperity gospel and understanding the generosity of your father. And so as you're dealing with that 
poverty mindset, it raises its ugly head in all kinds of crazy ways, but, but you're gonna see it in our businesses and the way that we interact with each other and the way that we just kind of give up and we'll throw duct tape on anything instead of actually fixing the issue. Instead of doing things right, we'll duct tape it and Gorilla Glue. When we're putting together budgets, it's more like what can we cut instead of what can we bless? Instead of what is God doing that we can stand behind and say, man, there's some favor in that. I wanna follow that. It becomes this mindset of everything's gonna be a struggle. It's gonna be hard. We're gonna barely make it by. You know, it's just always been that way and it's gonna always be that way. We just gonna struggle. Like, well, is that reality? Or could it be that what's coming next is unlocked through the power of generosity? See, I believe that part of how we defeat that poverty mindset is an education where we teach the next generation that that may be how it used to be, but that doesn't have to be that way for you. You can do better than what we've done. And you're not limited to just the resources of what we've had. We're gonna give you a hand up and education. It's also by beginning to evaluate the community resources that we have here. What do we have in abundance and how can we use these things to solve some major issues in our city? Because I believe that God will not bless you with more until you're faithful with what you have. And there are resources, vast resources that are here that are just waiting for people like me and you to start making phone calls and say, wait a minute, you've got this and they've got that and we've got this. What if we put those together and we didn't care who got the credit and ended this once and for all? And this is what's happening in the heart of Unite where we have churches that are getting past their theological differences and past their competitive spirit and saying, wait a minute, our missions team is doing that and your mission team is doing this, but what if? What if we put them together and I wasn't afraid that my people would go to your church? What if I realized that they were God's people and I'm mine? What could happen if we didn't care who got the credit for it, but we just saw the results? That's why I love the heart of what we did yesterday by giving name brand shoes away to kids that are going back to school. So don't just get the latest and greatest from Walmart that have no name on the side of them. That matters when you're a kid. I don't know about you, but I had to go to school with shoes that nobody recognized. But you know when you got a name brand, we got a little swoosh on the side. Life gets a little bit easier for you. Because it started way back when I was in middle school. People would look down at you and be like, what are those? <laughs> You're like, the poor. It is what it is. But it matters. Education using community resources, putting some things together, and then also the power of generosity. And I want to talk about that as part of our vision here. We are here to end the poverty mindset in this city, not with a prosperity gospel, but with a generosity mindset that God has birthed in the heart of the king's kids. We serve a God of abundance. He can do abundantly and above, exceedingly above, the scripture said, all we can ask or even think and what, we, and what we're asking for and what we're thinking come from, comes from a, a poverty mindset, it's difficult for us to think the way that God thinks. I want us to see things the way that he sees them. So when I say generosity and you say generosity, we may have a different opinion of what that looks like. And somewhere in between those might be the truth. But biblical generosity is going to be a little bit different than perhaps what you think it is. And as I say the word generosity, your mind may go to some, to some place where you're thinking that pastors should take up an offering. In case you didn't notice, we didn't pass any buckets. We don't do that here. It's not just this Sunday. We don't do that. Why? 
I'm not here to guilt you into giving anything. I've never asked you for money. I will never ask you for money. God will absolutely take care of this church, always has, and he always will. Because we don't make it about money. But here's the thing. At some point, your heart has to become obedient to what God's word is asking for you to do. And there is a generosity that God wants to birth in the hearts of his people to break the spirit of poverty in this area once and for all, and he wants to use you to do it. What's generosity really look like? For some of us, it's, you know, hey, I'll, I'll give a little money if, you, you know, if, it, if, it's a, if it's a worthy cause. If the Girl Scouts come around, I like them thin mints. I might give a 20. I'm going to give a few boxes. I might even let my kids know. Maybe. Because I'm generous. For others of us, you, you might give away a few clothes that you fatted out of. Call yourself generous. Like, is that generous? Or is that you just trying to avoid a garage sale? Let's be honest here. Is it generosity? Because you gave away some stuff that you're you too big to wear? Is it really generosity? Or is it just you trying to not end up on the show Hoarders? For some of us, our generosity is just there to make us feel better about ourselves. Biblical generosity is different. It's understanding who you are and being obedient to what God has called you to do. It's seeing things in a different way. I believe that biblical generosity is about the way that we see and value people. About seeing them the way that God sees them. And then seeing potential of what they can be. And then wanting to use every resource that we have to help them become that. It's the way that we see and value people. So it's not about your finances. It's a small part. It's not about your talents or gifts. That's just a small part. It's, it's much more than that. It's the way that we see and value people. It really is a faith issue. Can I see people? Can I see situations the way that God sees them? Or do I only see it through my poverty mindset and say things like, I can't solve that. That's for rich people to do that. It's always been a struggle for me. It's going to always be a struggle. We can't help other people. We're better than making it by ourselves. It's a poverty mindset. And I want to remind you today who you are and who you belong to and what God can do through you. See, I believe generosity doesn't just start with the way that you see and value people, but the way that you see and value yourself. Who do you belong to? What is God able to do through what you have? And if you could see yourself the way that God sees you, if you begin to respond, would that be more than just talking about something or would you actually do it? So in 1 John chapter 3, <clears throat> wish I had time to read this entire chapter, but he really begins to deal with the mindset of immature Believers. Now, before we point our finger at anybody else, I want to look at our own maturity and challenge us as a church to start maturing in Christ, to take another step, a step of faith, step into maturity, step into an, an abundance mindset. So in 1 John chapter 3, John begins to speak to the church and he says this, by this we know love. 
I want to make sure that you see that generosity and the heart, the emotions, are always connected. He says, we know love through the person of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. It says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we, in response, we ought to lay down our lives for him? No, it says, for our brothers. It's one thing to lay down our lives for someone that laid down their life for you. It's something else to lay it down for somebody else. He says, but if anyone has the world's goods and then sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? How can you call yourself a Christian if you saw the needs and closed your heart? If somewhere between what you saw and what you felt never became what you did, says there's an immaturity issue. As a matter of fact, he says, little children. I think that's more than just a term of endearment. I think it's an accusation of immaturity. As a matter of fact, when you're looking at the original language, this is a word that, that, that John uses to talk to, um, talks to a group of people that uh, it's like a child that is old enough to have been potty trained but just didn't quite get it. Like that's a seven-year-old in diapers. This is kind of the word, the verbiage that he's using here. It's like, you, you should be potty trained, but you're not. So it's not just something that's cute, like, oh, that's a seven-year-old in diapers. You're like, that's a seven-year-old in diapers? <laughs> Some of you are elbowing, like, how does he know our business? <clears throat> Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So I want you to see that generosity is a marker of spiritual maturity. And anytime that you deal with money from the pulpit, anytime you deal with uh, uh, finances, you're always gonna raise up the immaturity of young believers. Something begins to come out, people's attitudes start rising up, you automatically have arguments starting in your mind against me. People have the deepest theological arguments against me and against this church with money. It's always about money because it reveals your heart. My thing is, if you love everything that we're doing in this church, but anytime I talk about money, which is about three times a year, you have your attitude raised up. I want to say that there's not something wrong with me. It's a maturity issue, and there's an issue in your heart. It's an exposure of what's happening in our hearts. For some of us, it's a guilt thing that begins to come. Like, he's making me feel guilty because we hadn't been tithed. I don't look at tithe records. I never have. Some of you are like, oh, thank God. Because it would hurt my feelings. I always assume that every single person that comes here is a part of the solution. That we're here to contribute because we believe in what we're doing. I choose to believe that. Otherwise, it's difficult for me to stand up here and, and realize that there's only about 10% of the people are actually with you. The rest of them are like, hey, you better give me something. That hurts me. I don't want to see it. I don't think it's appropriate for me to see it. I don't care. I choose to believe that we're all in this together. I choose to believe that we are a spiritually mature church that can do more than just see it and do more than just feel it, but be obedient to it. We choose to see people through the eyes of faith. We choose to see the potential of what it can be. 
because we are mature believers that hear from the Lord and are obedient to do what he's asking us to do. Generosity is a marker of spiritual maturity. So the Apostle Paul echoes this in 2 Corinthians as he's, as he's speaking to the church. He talks about the, the issues that another church is having, the church that doesn't quite have what the, what the blessed church in Corinth has. And he says, look, I, I know that you guys understand how much God has blessed you, and you guys are, are more mature than this young church that is starting out. And this young church um, has a lot of potential, but they've got a lot less than you. And so my hope is that you'd be obedient to what God is asking of you to do as a church and to bless your brothers over there. Because you were blessed to be a blessing. The things that God has done inside of you and things he's blessed you with, and it's, it's not just for you. It's to be a part of what God is doing, not just here, but around the world. And so how can you look at your brothers in need and say, we're mature believers if you don't do something about that? And so the Apostle Paul echoes that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, look, I'm going to come and take up an offering. And look at this. As a result of your ministry, verse 13, they are going to give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. So seeing this, there's an obedience to the gospel that calls us to a spirit of generosity. There's a maturity that happens in each of us that proves that Jesus Christ is living on the inside, that money doesn't have the authority over our lives like it does everybody else. There's a maturing that happens in our hearts when we realize that this belongs to the Lord and he's trusted us with this and he can bless us with more. It's a maturity issue. So I want to talk about the line that John and the Apostle Paul both draw between what we see, what we feel, and what we do about it. Because somewhere between those three things is a disconnect, I think, in the heart of most Christians. We either don't want to see it, or we don't want to feel it, or we see it and we feel it, but we haven't done anything about it. I want to talk about the maturity that happens in our hands, the disconnect with our hands. Now, before we point the finger at anybody else, before we spend the, the next you know, 10 to 15 minutes in guilt because of what you didn't give, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to give you a checkup. And I want you to take an honest look at yourself. You know, there are times where you go to the doctor and you don't need him to just tell you what you want to hear. You need to hear the truth. Like, okay, this is the issue. And this is how you're going to fix it. You see, if your doctor didn't tell you the truth, you would sue him. You would. Everything looks great. You're the healthiest 104 person I've ever, like, well, maybe I am healthy, but at 104, I'm sure there's things that are wrong. Tell me the truth. Tell me. I want to know. And then tell me, what are my options? How do I fix this? Let's talk about the maturity in the hands of believers. You see, I believe that we go through four stages. And I think you're going to find yourself somewhere on this spectrum as we look at this. The four maturing hands of generosity. The first level that we find is a hand that grabs. What's yours is mine. And from the time that we are born, we learn how to grab. Those hands are the first thing that we can start controlling after this old tongue. We start saying, Mama, Daddy, and mine. If you ever want to have a blast, go over to our children's ministry, get into that little toddler room. And have two little boys that are toddlers and put one red truck in between them both and sit back and watch the magic. I promise you, both of those toddlers believe with all their heart that that truck is what? 
mine. You will not see the heart of generosity come out in toddlers. It's not here, let me share with you. My parents have taught me, no. It's mine. And I am completely upset when what you think is yours was mine. Now, that's cute in a couple of two-year-olds, but it's not so cute when you're 45. What's yours is mine. I'm here to take it. I'm driven. What's yours is mine. Your wife, my wife. Your husband's now my husband. Name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. A hand that grabs shows immaturity. What's yours is mine. At, at some point in our lives, we have to move past the hand that grabs. And this is where we find, level two, most of the people in our country. This is the spirit of America. It's not the hand that grabs. I'm not here to take anything from you. It's a hand that's closed, where what's mine is mine. So it's not what's yours is mine, but what's mine is mine. I'm not going to take anything from you, but you sure ain't going to take anything from me. Because this is America, and it's my rights, and it's my guns, and it's my body, and it's my choice, and it's my truth, and it's my church, and it's my this, and it's my that. And it's a hand that's closed. And it's the spirit across our country. Mine. I won't take it from you. But you dang sure ain't taking it from me. We got guns to protect what's mine. Some of you are like, I don't like where this message is going. <laughs> I want you to see this in Proverbs 11. It says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Look at this. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You're only hurting yourself. I think there's a reason why God has blessed this nation. It's not because what's mine is mine. But we were known as the most generous nation on the planet. And it's time that we return to our spirit of generosity so God can continue to bless this country. It's a maturity issue. Now, I want to show you level three, which I believe is where we find most believers. We are not at a place where what's yours is mine, and we move past this place where what's mine is mine, but we move to level three where it's, Lord, what's mine is yours. I call it the hand that's loosening. <laughs> it's a white knuckle grip, but it's loosening. Lord, what's mine is yours if you guarantee me. If you guarantee me that I'm not going to be without anything, then I will tithe. If you read me that Malachi chapter 3 thing where you say, I, I dare you. I need to hear that word dare you again. I need, I need to hear that because I, I, I need you to guarantee me that if I do this, that you're going to give me something in return. My grip is loosening. I'm trying to trust you, Lord. I'm trying. I'm trying. So I'll give if you guarantee me. I'll give if you guilt me enough. If you show me a video of some orphans suffering somewhere in Africa, I might drop a 20 because that, that touches my heartstrings. Show me some children. Show me some minorities somewhere and I'll, I'll give something because you made me feel guilty. So the Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. That means when you give out of guilt, you don't get any credit. 
I'm not here to guilt you into anything. You know the word cheerful? In the Greek language is the word hilarious. It's a Greek word, hilarious. Which is where we find level four of the maturing hands, where we move from what's yours is mine to what's mine is mine to, Lord, what's mine is yours, to Psalm 24, one that says, Lord, everything is yours. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So it's not what's yours is mine or what's mine is mine or what's mine is yours. It's what's yours is yours. It's a hand that's open. And this is where we find worship. Worship. This is where we find a believer that can be trusted with more because God understands that everything I put into your hands is going to go where I tell you it needs to go because you're going to be obedient to do what I've called you to do and I can trust you with more because you've realized you can never outgive me. And an abundance mindset destroys the power of the spirit of poverty when we have an understanding that what's his is his. And that means everything about me belongs to him. So I am no longer an owner. I'm a steward. It's his. I don't get a say of where it goes. I don't have authority over it. It's his. And it's always been his. It will always be his. And God, forgive me for every time that I thought that it was mine in the first place. So in this moment, we've matured past I'm just going to give you something that was previously mine. We've matured past that. And we've learned to live on the other side of yes. That means my answer is yes, Lord, before you even ask me. I have a preemptive yes. And if it's small, yes. If it's large, yes. I had a pastor challenge me one time and I said, I, I wrote this check in faith. He said this. If your hand's not shaking when you wrote the check, was it in faith? I'm like, shut up. That's stupid. I believe that generosity sees potential and proves maturity. Now, you can certainly write a check and say, look how spiritually mature I am. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about obedience. I'm talking about seeing things through the eyes of faith, hearing from the Lord, and standing behind what God is doing because you see the potential because God's shown it to you. That's biblical generosity. A release of ownership and a recognition of the hand of God and the potential of where he's put you and what he's given you. This changes everything. I believe that there are practical ways that we can start maturing in generosity. And this is the vision I believe that God has given us for this church. That there is a vision to do more than, than just come to church on Sunday morning for a couple of services. But it's a vision to destroy some of the principalities and the powers that have existed here for far too long. And it starts with the spirit of generosity being unleashed through the power of God's obedient and mature believers. Where we believe that God can do more and abundantly above all that I can ask or think. He does not have limited resources. God cannot just bless me in one specific way. He has unlimited ways. 
He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he can do more than what your boss can do. He can do more than what your biggest clients can do. He can do more than what your best year financially has ever done. But it starts when we have a new revelation of who he is, who we are, and what he's called us here to do. This is where we start seeing things differently. And I want to encourage you to start seeing your finances not as your security, but as potential. And this is the place where we find a lot of well-meaning Christians never mature past because they see their finances in their weekly check or bi-weekly check or monthly check as their security. And nothing could be further from the truth. That is called idol worship. Your paycheck can never be your security. That is false hope. It'll never be enough. and It'll never accomplish what God has called it to accomplish when your security is placed in that. It has to be seen through the lens of potential. What can God do through this? If we don't start thinking of things like, what can we cut? We start thinking of things like, what can we bless? What is God doing that we get to be a part of? What are the practical ways that we can step into this? What are the practical things that we can teach our children to break the spirit of poverty upon, uh, upon the next generation? I want to give you three simple things. I'm going to move really, really quickly through these as I finish up today. The number, number one thing I want to make sure that you see is to start where you are. Start where you are. This starts with the smallest step of faith. If you've never given to what God is doing before, let this be your year where you start doing that. If you've never been a tither, let this be a year where you start tithing. If you've never been faithful with your tithes, let this be the year where you become faithful with it. If you've never given over and above the tithe, let this be the year where you do that. What's the step for you? But I want to encourage you to not let this be the year where you're just doing what you've always done. Uh, we've got a spirit of poverty to break here. And what we've always done is not going to fix it. If each of us takes a step of faith to go beyond what we've always done, to step into the next level of what God is asking for us to do, we will watch things begin to change. Start where you are and then celebrate that small step of faith. I love, the, I love this scripture. I think the Lord is has given us this in Zechariah 4. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. I love that. It says, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. One of the things that we do around here is we celebrate every step of faith because it matters. And your step of faith may not be my step of faith, but then our step of faith may not be what this person is going through or that person is going through, but to them it was a big deal. The first time somebody ever prayed, that might not be a big deal to you to say a quick, simple prayer, but to them it was a big deal, and we celebrate that. That's a big deal, and we celebrate the fact that they took a step of faith. They invited a friend to church. That might not be a big deal to you because you've invited a lot of people to church, and you have a ton of friends, but for them, they ain't got a lot of friends, but they did it, and we celebrate. Don't despise small things. The Bible also tells us in another version, don't despise the day of small beginnings, the Lord loves to see the work begin. Just start where you are and then choose to see your finances not as your security but 
through the lens of potential. Lord, what can this be? It might be small, it might be something little, but I'm, I'm gonna start where we are. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Use what you have. I'm not gonna ask you to go into debt to fund some ministry. That is foolish. That's dumb. God never asked us to do that. God's not gonna ask you to give what you don't have. But he is gonna ask you to be obedient with what you do have. And for some of us, it's a very difficult thing because it's been a long time since you actually trusted God. You know, a central theme of this book, and at some point, believer, you're gonna have to actually read it, and that central theme is to trust his goodness. Trust him. If you'll trust him with your salvation and your eternity, but you won't trust him with a temporary thing like money, there's a maturity issue. Let me make sure I tell you this as well. Um, if this is not your home church, your tithe does not belong here. Do not give here. It belongs to the place where God has planted you to be a part of. If that's here, it belongs here. And that's an important step for you to take. But don't give to the place where God hadn't put you. And for some of you, you may be here, but just because you're mad at your old senior pastor, I get it. They're human. They make mistakes. But until God releases you, that's where it goes. So I want to make sure that you're being obedient to what God has called you to do. Start where you are. Use what you have. God never asks us to give what we don't have. And I've seen people hear, hear a message on generosity and go max out a credit card trying to get some blessing from God. Don't do that. Be faithful and obedient with what you do have. Little is much when God is in it. It's not the amount. It's obedience. It's about the heart. Start where you are. Use what you have. First Peter 4 is a great scripture that we use a lot around here that tells us each of you should use whatever gift you have received to do what? To serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in all of its various forms. God's given you things. He's given you gifts. He's given you resources. He's given you talents. He's given you mindsets and the ability to do things. You're to use that, not to build your own kingdom, but to build his. Use what you have. And lastly, do what you can because it becomes incredibly overwhelming when you start doing what you can't and trying to solve every issue of everything that comes across. Every time you feel your heart tugged in one way and, and tugged in another way, you're like, we're gonna go broke because I just gave it all away. Uh, trust me, I, I am married to a person that would give every bit of it away. We've learned how to be led by the Spirit of God or we give it all away. Um, today we get to celebrate 13 years of marriage. They're plotting for you. Trust me, they know what you have to put up with. It's been an amazing time um, being married to an incredibly generous person. I love that. She makes me a lot better because in my own natural uh, mindset, I'll fit really well into Longview. Really well here. What's mine is mine because I grew up poor and I grew up with that same mindset that feels very familiar to me. 
See, there's something that happened years ago when a pastor confronted me about my heart, about my mindset. He said, how are you going to stand up at this pulpit and teach God's people how to be blessed financially and to do things God's way where you're not even obedient to it yourself? And I needed to hear it. Pastors need other pastors to rebuke them every once in a while. Because I made every excuse, and I would get angry when people would teach on it, and I'd say, as soon as I get to church, I'm never talking about money like that. I'm never going to make it. I hate when churches talk about money. And it was revealing something in my own heart. And it was speaking life into that poverty mindset that made it worse. And there's a reason why God has brought me to this city to help break down that spirit with a 100-pound wrecking ball. And I want you to get in on this and be a part of what God is doing here. So several years ago, we had a, a great surprise. We had, we had just been, uh, been told by the Lord that we were going to build a new worship center. We had no idea how we are going to do that. Looking at our annual budget, and um, it, it, was, it just seemed impossible. Um, this building that we're in is, is about $2.2 million worth of stuff. Um, which, you know, hey, to you, $2.2 million may, may be not a big deal. But to the rest of us, <laughs> whoo, dear, it's long view. Are you sure you know what you're doing? That was hard. Some of you are like, all you need is a little bit of faith, Pastor. Like, you didn't write a check to it. I promise you. <laughs> it's hard. We had a service where my pastor showed up unannounced and brought us a check, our largest check that we'd ever received, $100,000 from a group of believers in Fort Worth, Texas. That's, that saw the potential of what God could do here. And you are sitting in the chair paid for by people who have never been to Longview but our mature believers seeing through the eyes of faith and putting their money where their mouth is and saying, we may never even go to that city, but I believe there's potential there for greatness. And we get to be a part of what God is doing in Longview, Texas. So I'm not here today to ask you to write some check to some other church that's struggling. I'm simply here to remind you that another church did it for you. People that you've never met, saw the potential and what God could do in this city. And I believe in that in that moment, a crack was put in the wall of spiritual poverty in this city that it is now our responsibility to kick it in. So the question is, where are you? Are you using what you have? Do you see the potential of what God is doing here? Because I believe with all my heart that God has led me here for this purpose. I'm here for this reason. To build a church that will not just point a finger at the issues of the city, but will raise up their hands in worship and say, God, use me. Whatever I have belongs to you. And if you say it, my answer is yes before you ask me. you bow your heads father today I pray that you would continue to do what you have already started in this city Lord I pray 
that you would use us to bring life and health and hope to this city that so desperately needs it. Father, this area has been ravaged by the spirit of poverty for decades. For so long, Lord, your churches have lived in a place of lack. For so long, Lord, your people have lived hand to mouth and have called it faithful. Lord, you're calling us from a place of what we call faithful to what you are calling faith-filled. You're raising up a new generation of believers that will not just look at a problem and point a finger. Father, we will not just look at it. We will not just feel it. Father, we will do something about it. We will respond in whatever small way that we can to whatever you're showing us the potential in. Father, others have done it for us, and it's time, Lord, you're calling us to a new level of maturity. We will no longer be limited by the spirit of this city. We are children of the Most High God, and we have learned to be obedient to what you're asking us to do. Father, use us as we open up our hands in worship and in generosity with lives that are completely open, that are saying yes before you even ask. Lord, we don't have to see the whole staircase, but we're willing to take the next step. Father, I pray for every single person that has never tithed, that this would be the year where they take that step. I pray for those that have never taken a... a, a a place where they've, where they've allowed the needs to become more than just something they talk about. Father, I pray that this would be the year they take a step. And it might be a small beginning, but Lord, your word says you rejoice to see the work begin. So Father, we thank you for the mindset that you are shifting in the heart of this church and the future that is coming. Lord, we believe that our best days are still in front of us. They're not behind us. And Father, in spite of global pandemics and fear, Lord, in spite of all the things that are happening in a divided political climate, you're doing something special here. And we will not be pulled off task. We will accomplish what you have called us here to accomplish come hell or high water. We are all in. We're in. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed. My friend, if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, if you've never asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, this is your moment and I'm gonna help you do that. Right where you are, I wanna invite you to pray with me. The prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you came and died but rose from the grave so I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. Will you come into my heart? Be my Lord, my boss. Savior, I give myself to you right now in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, my friend, if you pray that prayer here in this place, if you're watching online, I would love to connect with you. Would you text me? The word is I prayed, I-P-R-A-Y-E-D. Text that simple word to 844-HRC-TEXT. We're gonna send you some things that will help you and encourage you and bless you and show you what just happened inside of your heart and what to do next. We're proud of you. We're looking forward to partnering together with you as well. God bless you. Amen. Hi, Rich family. I'm so grateful for each of you being here. Bill, come and send this out with some announcements if you would.